Welcome to the Culture and Cafecito podcast. I am your host, Natalia Montoya Casanova, culture coach and consultant. Here on the show, I'll challenge you to explore all the broad definitions of culture, how you relate to culture, and develop new ways to approach the world and people around you. You'll hear from experts, leaders, and extraordinary people of all industries who have expertise and curiosity for sharing and exploring the nuanced and all-encompassing topic of culture. These conversations will help you redefine your thinking as an individual and as a leader in order to more meaningfully collaborate, communicate, and connect with your teams and your communities. Culture and Cafecito podcast. This is episode eight, Culture, Consciousness, and Creativity with coach healer Rina Sengupta. On today's episode, we talk with Rina, who supports people in connecting with their inner creator. In this conversation, we chat about culture as related to her identity and background as an Indian American, how creativity can be used to bridge the gap in following your calling in life and in the corporate space, and how a true culture of wellness is a reflection of our ability to connect with the origin of practices with our own cultural roots in our own discomfort. Let's get started. Hi. <laughs> oh, how are you? Oh my gosh, I love your hello, your good morning. Hi, I'm good. Uh, where where are you joining us from today? I know you've been traveling, so tell me. Yes, we are in Flagstaff in Arizona and then we head to Sedona later today. Oh my gosh, you've just been on a like a road trip? Is that what it is? Yeah, my friend um got a car, so we were like, let's break it in. Oh, so okay. we drove to we had two like layover nights one in Ohio I had to get my new license <laughs> so that was like a situation <laughs> and then I, we stayed a night in Iowa City a couple of days in Denver with a friend and then we went to Moab oh and um from there we went we were in like Canyonlands then we went to Zion we stayed a couple of days in Flagstaff now we're heading to Sedona and then we're going to Joshua Tree, and then we stay in Joshua Tree for like 10 days, and then eventually we'll kind of make our way back, but we don't have the return plans yet. <laughs> All right, guys, that's the best type of plans. No plans. Yeah. Or at least magical trip. That's awesome. It is. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for uh, connecting with me today. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I'm also, I have coffee in hand as well. So Cheers. of the day, <laughs> you're drinking. What is your drink of choice today? Oh, it's what I have every morning. It's just a dark roast drip coffee with a dash of almond milk. Ooh, that says a lot about Oh, I meant oat milk. I meant oat milk. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> I have, um, let's see, a vanilla latte with oat milk. Um, I spit it because it's nice and warm in D.C., so. Sounds yeah. really nice. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you on today for uh, what I call... Um, Culture and Cafecito. So this is uh, part of my podcast series. I'm super excited to have you as um, a conscious coach and healer um, and to learn a little bit more about your background um, and how you relate to culture. So I can share a little bit about what I do and then I'll obviously open up the space for you and then we can go into some questions. Cool. Um, is there anything else that I'm missing? I don't think Sounds so. Sounds perfect. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So for anybody out there for of your followers, my name is Natalia Montoya and I am 
Um, I am a culture coach and consultant. Um, I like to say, you know, my lofty title um, is, um, is, a, is a paradox because in fact, culture is co-created. I can't teach it. Um, therefore, I'm simply a champion of culture. Um, and I'm here to guide processes to help both individuals become more conscious and aware of um, what they need in order to live and work best, but also support teams in creating more conscious cultures at work. Um, so as part of my business, I do, um, I do coach individuals, so young professionals like myself who are navigating the work grind, um, and also um, work with um, teams to provide them, you know, workshops uh, during corporate retreats, for example, um, on building conscious um, culture and what that means. And so that's a little bit about me. Um, and today we are, um, you're on for the culture in Cavacito. So culture in Cavacito um, is an initiative that seeks to bring on executives as well as experts um, like yourself um, in all industries, right? So any, any industry to talk about what culture means. Um, culture as, um, as a paradigm, as a theory, as an idea is something that can be um, viewed and perceived and implemented and seen in different ways. And so we really wanna be able to connect with people who have um, to share what culture means so we can start to redefine it collectively, individually, and as a community. So I'm super excited to hear what you have to say about what culture is and has meant to you, um, especially for your own, um, you know, in the work that you do. So I'll leave it at that and then I I would love for you to introduce yourself. Yeah, my name's Rena. I run um, the digital space Urban Buddha, and I'm a consciousness coach and a holistic healer. So really what that means is I work with people in groups, one-to-one, and just through digital media, um, and really help to peel down the onion of limiting beliefs so that you can come back to, you know, your true self, your highest self within. So that's the consciousness part of the consciousness coach, um, is really rewiring beliefs in your head. Holistic Healer is all the other tools I use to get us there. So whether that's tarot cards, astrology, Reiki, sound healing, I mean, I just love to layer on whatever tools I can get my hands on, mindful movement, um, any way, any practice to really help you integrate these new beliefs that you're creating into your whole mind, body, energy system. Um, my background is not the most traditional. I actually think I'll save that for some questions because <laughs> it's, we can get juicy in the culture in there. Um, but basically I worked in the corporate world. I ended up teaching yoga full time, ready to leave corporate culture because I found it wasn't for me. Um, and then come the pandemic, yoga studios closed and coaching and conversations were really my favorite part of teaching yoga. So I just figured I would um, really lean in that direction as the world shifted. So that's my story, short and sweet. <laughs> oh my goodness, wow. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. So that shared a little bit about who you are, um, but tell us like where you come from and share a little bit more about what you do specifically and how you do it and, and or what inspires what you currently do. Ooh, right? okay. Speak into whatever lands, maybe, um, maybe just a little bit more of a connection of like what led you to where you are now. Perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, growing up, I grew up in Cincinnati. Um, my dad is Indian. He's from India came to Cincinnati to get his master's and met my mom. My mom was like born and bred Ohio. It's hilarious because people, I tell people my dad is Indian and they're like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I show them a picture of my mom and she's like, 
very pale, red hair. Like people always thought I was adopted when it was just me and her growing up. Um, But that experience in Ohio, I mean, Ohio is not the most diverse. And actually Cincinnati is one of the most segregated cities in the country. Um, So even though there is diversity, there's not a lot of um, interaction and interconnectedness to really yield the benefits of that diversity. So it was hard being of color. Um, I went to a small private school too. And um, I could count on one hand how many kids were of color, whether that was like Asian, African-American, Middle Eastern, like literally I could count on one hand for each grade. So that left an impression. And at the time I knew I wanted to do something with culture. I was like, I don't care what, like, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I just know I have to talk about like this experience of culture because I'm experiencing such a culture clash every day between going home and going to school. And even within my home, different religions and practices. And it was just all I saw. So I ended up going to GW for international affairs, um, I really, really, really thought I was going to work in an embassy specifically for environmental law and sustainable policy implementation. Um, And I had a lot of internships in college. If anyone goes to GW or has heard of GW, that's kind of like the stereotype. Um, Same with where I went to school. It's like, you know, that's the dream, like what we out. Yeah, exactly. I would skip classes to go to my internship all the time. And like in hindsight, I'm like, okay, I got to like balance that better. But... (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so I did that I had internships in college and then that's right when around when I was graduating was around the time Trump was elected and I actually had I was moving through the interview process at uh the American embassy in France and I got put on a hiring freeze because of Trump And it was so sad because it was my dream job. Like I would be in France and I was just like, you know what? I don't think I have the energy to do this anymore. And I like thought back to all the internships I had, whether it was a law firm, an NGO, a um, government agency. And I like hated all of them. And as an intern, I could handle it because it's like, okay, just two days a week and like, I'll figure it out, whatever. But I thought about my whole life becoming that and I just couldn't do it. So that's when I moved to New York. Um, I took a kind of a leap and worked at a marketing agency, which like, I literally didn't even know I was applying to a marketing agency at the time. I was like, this place looks cool. I don't know. They talk about culture because it was a destination marketing agency. So we worked with cities to create campaigns to attract both tourists, but also businesses for economic development. So I was like, I'm going to an economic development fund. Like, this makes sense. And I get there and it's like a full-on New York marketing agency. I was like, not what I realized I was stepping into. Um, And that was a culture clash between me and the company. Um, And it was also, I was not hired for the right role. So I was there for 10 months. And that's when I really put my foot down and realized that the corporate environment, at least as we know it, um, I love the work you're doing because you really helped to craft that, um, is not for me. So I taught yoga full time, really dove into the culture of healing, um, which I absolutely loved. The culture of wellness, which was booming at the time, and it felt really good. So I ended up managing that studio, um, but I always had this longing in my heart to like come back to culture in a more 
specific way because with yoga it's like okay well, I'm teaching about another culture I'm mm -hmm. facilitating a practice from another culture but I'm not actually having conversations about culture and like the world and why it matters right. so come come coaching now um I really love to blend cultures from healing me methodologies from all around the world and implement them whenever needed. Um, and I worked really hard to try to do my due diligence of um, honoring the practices and learning about the indigenous practices rather than just appropriating because that's such a big thing that happens in the wellness world. Um, and I've really found just coming, kind of looping back to the beginning, I always knew that I would bridge the gap between cultures and recently I've kind of found this newfound passion of okay I'm bridging all these cultures together but also I'm working with ancient indigenous cultures I'm working with new age philosophies like it's not just cultures in one point in time it's like cultures from all timelines I I try to hone them all into this present moment when I work with my clients because um, there's just so much potential to mine through there. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. That is, that's a huge way to bridge gaps, like gaps in culture, um, and specifically your, your background, right? Like, I absolutely love that you say, you know, your mom and dad are so different, and therefore, having the combination of the two allows you to own yourself in a way that allows you to bring forth the, you know, all the things you have for even for different types of people. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really cool. I wanted to just uh, react to something you said specifically about, you know, how you went from thinking and like feeling like the corporate space was not for you and then moving yeah. into like what you wanted. And so I wanted to just like talk a little bit deeper on that, right? Because I think yeah. a lot of us um, out there, all we see, see the world and it's either I love my job <laughs> or I have to go into the corporate world, um, right? So do you think that there is a way for those two things to kind of be combined? Um, or if there's any way that through your own practices that you, you know, you work with people, that people can start to tap into what it is that resonates more with them. Um, what allowed you to get to that point where you distinguish like, you know, that's not for me, um, mm -hmm. or is there a way to combine them? You know, I would say, yeah, this kind of answer comes in two folds. One is like my personal experience of why it's not for me. And then two, with my clients, what I see the potential for being, like if they can have stronger access to this in their lives, um, it doesn't become so detrimental to their, um, the way they approach Right. their work in general. So for me, I really felt that it was my creativity being crushed and my creativity oh. not having a place to be expressed. Um, and also whenever there were containers for creativity to come through, they were so, there's so much pressure and there's so much, um, you know, between the deadlines and the project goals and the values of the company and all these things it's like okay well there's really not that much freedom at all and like time in the day that was a big one um so I think too like I'm thinking back to my internships in college and I didn't have much responsibility so there's not much room for creativity so I think that's one thing like in the corporate environment I think they really go hand in hand and I don't know if that's right or wrong but I think maybe it's could be something that's fun to question and diffuse out and see like you know I it's just yeah, yeah. I'm sure we can go into that <laughs> well I don't know I kind of want to pause there like I want to hear your response do you yeah so see that it's interesting because I've always you know I've always it's almost like our brains are always like thinking in dichotomies like it's either this mm -hmm. or that either I work and hate my job or 
like and get paid a lot of money but don't like it or vice versa like do something I love but don't get paid and like sometimes it's faulty thinking right because we can do things that we love and get paid for it <laughs> right um but the reason I'm in the work that I'm doing is because I genuinely believe that the way that we're working is like not not going the right way right? Like, it's not working <laughs> we should love our jobs we should um, you know, we spend most of the most of our day at work. And so there's no reason why I should feel like my creativity is being crushed. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and if it is, why is it right? Um, something's wrong with kind of like the, the the culture of the team I'm working on, or perhaps I'm not fitting in right with the team. Um, and so I think it's super bold of you to have taken that step, because I think a lot of people recognize that potentially like their souls are being crushed. <laughs> but mm. Um, it's definitely a huge leap to be able to like own that and be like, nope, no, I'm just going to listen to my heart. Um, yeah. So I'm just curious to know if like in the work that you do, like what are the things that allow your clients or the people you coach connect to that like creativity aspect, even while they have to maybe maintain their old jobs? Um, yeah. How they navigate that. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things I coach on is that we are all a creator within we all have divine creator energy we are all creators at heart and I think too like even in our school system we learn like oh to be creative that means that like you're really good at drawing pretty lines and maybe you write good poetry you're definitely a good painter and like if you can check those three boxes like you have earned the role create or the title creative and so people like me who like I now in my adult life know that I'm like crazy creative and I need lots of space for that but like if you were to ask me to draw like a sunflower it would look like an alien spaceship like I can't do it like I can only draw stick figures like literally that's it yeah and so a lot of it is like for people who feel like their souls are being crushed is like re this reteaching of like you are creative and just because you've been told your whole life that you're not and just because there's not a lot of room that's given to you in your current role whether that's environmentally with the fluorescent lights I mean we don't have to deal with that as much anymore yeah. now that so many people are working from home but environmentally um in terms of team structure also as you were saying with like dichotomy there's this definitely this dichotomy in the workplace of like you're responsible so you can be creative or like you're not responsible. So you have to do this like really mundane work. And that's actually why I decided to leave is because I knew I was like, there's this zone, which I know I'm really, I know I'm super responsible. I know I'm crazy creative. I know that like I can lead a vision and I was down here doing so much mundane work and I kept messing up this work because it's not what I'm good at, but there was no way for me to get from here to here with the skill set I had. I was like, if I keep staying on this route, I'm just going to be right here forever, even though I know if they would just let me, I could thrive right here. But I knew they would never let me. So I was like, okay, like I'm not going to waste my own time. Um, okay, so what I'm hearing is that one of the main points is self-awareness around what it is that your needs are. And then kind of also an assessment of whether that culture that you're in will allow that for you you know? Absolutely. Like, that's Absolutely. huge. Yeah. And I think too, like, it's important to have, because part of being a creator too, is like creating conversations and creating room for creativity to come in. Like I always tell people with my clients, like if they're building a creative business or if they're trying to integrate more creativity into their current role or anything along those lines, I always tell them you can't build something that's creative without moving through a creative process so 
if you're in a current role and you're like, ah, oh, my soul's being crushed. I didn't even realize it because my creativity wasn't being expressed. Now I'm listening to this and I realize it. It's not just like, oh, shoot, like my, my job isn't creative. It's no, go in and like creatively shape a conversation to have with your boss and propose a way that it could look like maybe that's like an hour of your day that has nothing on the schedule and it's just time for you to like be creative. Um, Gosh, yeah. Wow. 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 I, I just want to react to that because I used to work for um, a company that I felt like, again, my soul was being crushed. Mm-hmm. And then I transitioned to working for a startup um, where I had the possibility of like crafting culture with the executive team. And um, one of the things that they specify, which speaks to what you just said, is taking agency around your own growth, right? Um, and even in my own role, they're like, here, this is what we think you could, you're good at, but like, tell us what you want. And the, the creation process is also a co-creation, right? Because it's mm-hmm. natural that if I have some ideas, I need to work with other people to like mold the thing. And it's always been a co-creation for even me to be able to get to where I want to be in this company. Yeah. And so um, that's really interesting just because um, I think a lot of people are in the workspace thing like, oh, this is set in stone. But in fact, like nothing's ever set in stone, right? Like we can always um, come at, things come to our boss and say hey I want to like co-create with you here and open up spaces for us to like create new ways of seeing things and so yeah and that kind of it just makes me reflect on the second point my second like stone I use in my business which is we're all creators we're all divine creators at heart we're also all healers and these are two words that are really big but as you're talking about that co-creative experience it's not like you're coming in and like you do need that team conversation um but thinking it seeing it through the lens of like I'm improving this culture and like even if I don't stay here for long I'm still improving the culture in a way that when someone new steps in they really enjoy what they're stepping into and then they have the tools it's you're passing down this lineage of um of creating a better environment oh wow so like there's a lot of power in like when you take agency for being an active participant of the co-creation you actually end up contributing to other people's ability to also do the same thing (laughs) yeah yeah super huge wow really cool really cool um wow do you think that um any of the tools that you currently use with your clients are things that could be at some point incorporated in a corporate setting right because i think about all the work i'm like oh my gosh more people need this at work because if they did, they would have like so much more peace, you know? And so mm-hmm. I'm just curious to know if there's anything that you do that you think could be incorporated as a means of bridging that gap. Yeah. I mean, I think the easiest way to answer that is like coaching. If I had had, we had an HR person that I felt was a confidant during my time in the corporate world. And we had a really great rapport and she kind of treated me as if I was a mentee, but that wasn't her role. You know, like we just kind of stumbled into it. And I look back and I'm like, if I could have just had a coach to help me navigate like what my skills are, because I felt really stupid at that job because I was, none of my skills were being tapped on. And if I could just have someone be like, okay, like your skills are just not being expressed. What are they? How can we navigate this conversation? Um, I think HR departments, tend to go like 30% and then they stop. Um, So pulling that forward, and then I don't know if that's expanding HR roles. Maybe it's pulling a private consultant in like yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I like that route because I think with HR teams, the reason why it only gets to 30% is because there's still um, team drama conversations that just happen in the workplace, you know, like mm-hmm. it can be as confidential and it can be the most aligned person for the role. But like, there is just a level of like, okay, I still interact with you every day. And like, you, you see everything. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that like I the day that coaching is implemented so fully into corporate environments is the day we're like I'm I'm cheering it on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, that's 100% right. Well, I'll give you a perfect example of that. Uh, my company actually brought in an ex- external con- uh, co- coaching company and I was able to receive um coaching like wow. separately, right? So it allowed me as an individual to navigate the feelings that were coming up when I was like hitting a wall or like not sure how to ask for a raise or mm. how to understand like, you know, how, like what changes are coming up and how to like navigate that. Cause it was like kind of a scary process even in the pandemic and having kind of an external person um, support me in that process allowed me to kind of like separate myself a little bit from what I like the internal bubble and get the support I needed. So I 100% agree with you. And in fact, we don't give it enough value, right? Because when I had that, it was like, I was more, um, what do you call it? Not not induced, <laughs> uh, more, um, I felt um, like, I felt like more connected to wanting to stay at the company because I somehow had like, um, you know, a coach that was guiding me through the process of like continually uh, doing the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's one thing I've realized in coaching that um, looking back, I know I could have done better. And I also think can be implemented better. Is that anytime we have an issue with someone, there's something within our own selves that is attracting that energy or that issue to us. So in my case, if it's a boss who doesn't see and understand me, there's something that I'm doing, something in my energy that I'm attracting that's calling a power dynamic where I'm not seen into play. So like there's, I can blame her and I blamed her for many years, but now I look back and I'm like, yeah, you know, I could have, I could have showed up differently. I could have been honest about what I even want to do. I could uh, have really sat down and I mean, we had many genuine conversations together, but I could have just been a little bit more honest about where I wanted to go and the potential I saw in myself. And um, and I think that's what you were getting at is like when we have a coach in the environment, they kind of help to remind us like there's always ownership you can take. There's always a way that you can harness the situation and find personal growth in order to expand the whole. So I think that's really interesting. Oh my God. Yeah. Like they, um, you're going into your coaching thing. I love it. Um, it's, it's hard because we're all, you know, coach kind of reflects back at you the stuff that, you know, you're good at, but also the things you don't want to see. Exactly. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I've had that happen a lot of times. And so, yeah. You're like, Ooh, we're going there. Okay. I don't want to, I'm like, Oh, you're right. But <laughs> yeah. Wow. 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 Um, that's, um, wait, I just want to talk about that very quickly. So, mm-hmm. um, in that, in the space of like thinking through when there's a, a dynamic at work that doesn't work for you, um, you're, you're kind of almost talking or speaking to the fact that it's a reflection of something internally going on, right? Yeah. So when, um, as a consciousness coach, um, how do you, like, how can you tap into that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, uh, sometimes it's not, ugh, sometimes it's like stuff I don't want to recognize or see. And so how can we like 
look at stuff like that in a loving way or like I actually just wrote a newsletter about this uh, I sent it out yesterday but the when we start I would categorize this under shadow work like what within me am I not recognizing am I not consciously aware of that's attracting situations my way that I don't like and also as we dive into this I want to put like a line between um if you're ever in an abusive work environment I would say this doesn't apply in the same way um there's a different level of precaution and self-safety and actions to take um this is more for like my boss isn't understanding me I just feel like my soul is being crushed etc um, so I'd categorize this under shadow work. Like I'm attracting a job. I'm attracting a life where 60 to 70% of my day, I feel like I'm suppressed. What within me is attracting that? Maybe it's lack of self-belief, um, lack of self-worth. So that's oh, not comfortable pretty. to look at. Yeah. yeah. So the shadow is sticky. It's scary. It's that like, oh, Okay, we're going there. But it's only as scary for as long as we deny it. And the sooner that we can meet it with compassion and with self-inquiry to reach understanding, that's when what we call the shadow becomes integrated. And when the shadow becomes integrated, it just becomes part of who we are. It adds depth. It adds authenticity. I always compare it to like the dark lines on a painting. It's what brings it to life. Um, So... The way to transition to integrated from, from unconscious to integrated shadow is really an act of empowerment because it's this act of reclaiming self, shedding light and reclaiming self. And so what I found is the fastest way to do that is to shift from like, oh, this makes me feel vulnerable because that's like, okay, I need, there's a threat. I'm going to react to this threat. It's going to be overwhelming. It's going to feel icky. That <laughs> takes time to really break down. My advice to my clients and what I wrote in my newsletter yesterday was throw that away. You're, it's not your vulnerability. It's your edge. It's your edge of understanding of self. And I mean, we're both yogis, so we know this, yeah. this comparison really well, but like always yeah. finding your edge and getting comfortable at your edge until it starts to expand a little bit more. Um, and then what that does is it's like, okay, it's the precipice of something. It's the precipice of my self-understanding. So then it gives you, you're more prone to take inspired action than you are if you were to approach it as like, oh, I'm vulnerable. This feels sticky. Um, and if we think about having edge in the workplace, what does that look like? It looks like going into your boss's office and being like, hey, I know I'm more creative than my role is currently allowing me to be. These are my ideas. I'd love to implement them in these ways. Can I do it for three months? And then you give me feedback and we decide, right? There's so much courage that's required for that. And it's kind of scary too. And yeah. that, exactly, that exactly answers the question of how to bridge it, right? It's not, it's not this or that or um, it's always together. So when we start to integrate that, it actually cuts across all of our life, our work life, so true. All aspects of our lives. So, wow. Yeah. So be careful. Oh my goodness. And I guess one more thing on that is vice versa. If you're in an environment and maybe you've been there for so long and you just can't fathom having this conversation in the workplace, knowing now that all your life is interconnected, start somewhere else. Like go to a yoga studio and like to do their teacher training or um, go to a cooking class and like be a vocal person in that cooking class, you know, and like flex those muscles outside of work so that they kind of trickle in. And 
knowing that like work is a bigger majority of our life. So like, if you can do it in work, it'll trickle, trickle faster into the rest of your life and vice versa. It works a little slower just because of the ratios, but I think that's a good option for people. That's true. Yeah. I always think of like the wheel with like all of the pieces. Oh, of yes. And when one is like lopsided or just like, like if you contribute to one, it'll inevitably impact the other. And so um, it's, yeah, that's super critical because sometimes we, we look at our areas of our life as different, different, but they're all tied together. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay. So I have a few more questions for you more in the space of culture and wellness. And so, okay. And so now, um, since, you know, you've shared your, your trajectory kind of going from corporate space, um, to, um, the wellness space, I wanted to just based on your background and, um, how has your own background shaped how you view wellness culture, right? Cause I know there's oh a lot God. of like, issues with wellness culture and it's changing especially after like black lives matter so i wanted to know what's your point of view on it based on your own Mm -hmm. yeah i mean this is a big a lot let me just say a lot (laughs) um i really rejected my indian heritage for most of my life because of this environment like i said in cincinnati where being of color was just very uncomfortable Mm-hmm. um wow that's like really hard <laughs> whoa yeah um and I it wasn't until I was in college I found yoga and I loved it and I was in teacher training and I was learning about the history and the philosophy and learning Sanskrit and really diving into the culture in a deeper way um, I also found myself hostessing at an Indian restaurant. Do you know Rasika in DC? Yes. Oh my God. That's so <laughs> I used good. to hostess there. It's so good. I like miss that food. Um, <laughs> so I found myself like in no. yoga teacher training and hostessing at an Indian restaurant. Every, all of the staff, not all of the staff, but a lot of the staff was Indian. Um, and I was just like, oh my God, like I'm being really Indian right now, which like when I first noticed that, <laughs> I, I was uncomfortable because I was like, no, like I shut this down. What am I doing? <laughs> but then I was like, but I don't like, I enjoy it. So I was like, I'll just sit with it because like I'm enjoying this. Uh-huh. Um, that was a really big moment for me. So for a lot of the time that I taught yoga and worked in wellness, I was just so excited to finally be embracing an ounce of my own culture again without um, hesitancy or fear of comments and exile Um, that a lot of stuff that I now know is is problematic and even then I knew was problematic I really was just so excited that I just swept it under the rug I was like this is fine this is fine (laughs) and um but then it hit a point when I started leading teacher trainings where I would we'd be reading from the book about like what we're supposed to teach and I would just be like hold up like this is so so simplified that it's almost not even true anymore and that's when it really started to itch um and then you know I would go to yoga classes and find it so hard to really have like an authentic experience that didn't have pop music and I think there's always room for different iterations of yoga um (laughs) but when it's really hard to find the authentic version that's when we know it's problematic um so I just started to notice that And then it wasn't until I was laid off and really had space to look back that I realized how, 
how toxic the culture was, um, specifically when it came to race and culture and heritage, um, and just how contradictory that is for a place that is teaching a practice of another culture. Wow. Yeah. So I've spent a lot of this year, I stepped back from yoga for a while because I was like, even I don't feel like I can teach authentically. So let me take a step back and I'm focusing on what I do feel like I can do authentically. And when I pull other practices in from cultures around the world, I always really do my due diligence to like understand the root of it. Um, like I'm, I'm diving into dream work and I literally bought a, a book about, um, I kind of want to grab it. It's at the end of this table, but it's about (laughs) (laughs) Native American dream work. Wait, one second. Oh, I think you posted about this one. I did. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. Yeah. American Indian medicine dream book. And it's this awesome like textbook about dreams. And it has all of these, I mean, like I haven't read a single page yet, but like it, I'm very excited. So like, this is now how I approach integrating indigenous ancient healing practices going back um, to the root like like yeah recognizing where it comes from and then implementing whatever you do even if it has modifications but with that knowledge right mm-hmm. I think too even the other day I was thinking about like okay what's it gonna look like when I teach yoga again what am I gonna incorporate and there are just a couple things where I know like I think in the past it used to be framed of like everything in this room is optional so like do whatever. And I think the way I will frame it when I come back to teaching mm-hmm. yoga is maybe we'll start with an ohm. An ohm is a core essence of this cultural practice. So I really invite you to uh, do it with me in order to not appropriate this culture. And even if it's uncomfortable, that's part of learning and integrating a new culture into your practices. So I really highly encourage you. And if in any way it makes you uncomfortable, you always have the safety to not participate. But I think really delineating that line in the wellness room of like everything's optional and cultural discomfort shouldn't be an inhibitor for your participation and an authentic practice. Wow, that's super powerful. One thing that came to mind as you were speaking about this was kind of like the journey that you had yourself and integrating your own ethnic background is similar to how you've been integrating like the cultures of the you know of different cultures into your wellness practices which is really Mm -hmm. huge because it's like the mirror we were talking about and how how it's inside it's outside and so that's super powerful because you know you need to connect with that internally to also be able to do that for and with others as well yeah so true wow um, but speaking into that, how do you, um, when, when that discomfort comes up for other people, um, I mean, it's hard to tell if that does come up for other people, but, um, how can people sit with that? Right? Yeah, I'll give the experience. So I recently worked with a Mayan shaman and I'll use my own experience through that. Cause mm-hmm. Mayan culture, Mexican culture is not something I was super familiar with before. Um, and I do want to say that I think everyone when engaging in a cultural healing practice should anticipate for themselves that they will feel that discomfort at some point. 
because any time that you're immersing yourself in a completely different culture, I mean, even if you think about traveling, like you could travel to, let's say Paris, like one of my favorite places in the world and give me enough time in Paris and I get uncomfortable, you know, like even though <laughs> I love it, even though it's so beautiful, romantic, like it still makes me uncomfortable. So um, I think that's important to preface at, for everyone entering, just anticipate that discomfort and acknowledge discomfort versus safety. Um, and then in terms of like how to do it. So I did a Temes call, which is um, essentially like a, I don't know what's so intrigued. Yeah. I would compare it to like a sauna maybe. Um, it, it does have parallels with hot yoga, which was interesting, but basically you're in this like little hut. It's like a mud dome. Mm -hmm. um, ours fit about six people, maybe eight if you were to squeeze. Um, and there are coals in the middle and it gets completely dark, pitch black dark. And there are four rounds and each round they add more coals to the fire or add more water to the coals in the middle. So mm -hmm. like a sauna, it gets hotter and hotter and it gets really hot. I mean, there are points where like, cause heat rises. So I'd have to lay down because like I couldn't handle the heat where my head was. Um, in times where I was like, oh my God, like it feels like my skin is on fire but right. I know it's not because all of this is steam, but like it's the heat is really intense. And then the shaman kind of guides you through um, a series of storytelling and um, practices and prayers and intention settings. And it's, wow. um, it's basically like shedding, sweating away the evils within your energy, essentially, which like, that's the comparison I felt in hot yoga where it's like that discipline and what that discipline cuts out. Um, wow. But like so the connection between like the actual practice of the, the ancestral roots of it and then how we see it play out in Western, in the Western yeah. world. Wow. Yeah. It, it was, almost it was connects me more to it when you like, you know, when you're speaking into like, you actually went back to do the thing that like where it comes from and then you can, mm -hmm. um, it makes me feel more connected to the whole practice as a result of it. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> true. But yeah, there were times, I mean, I can understand Spanish, but I don't speak it very well. Like it, <laughs> it takes me a long time to formulate a sentence. Um, and so before we entered, they were like, okay, if you need to leave to go to the bathroom, you totally can. If you need water, ask. Um, but it was all done in Spanish. So there were points where I was like, i I would like to leave because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like really one of the big things that stopped me is that I was like, I, if I'm going to say it, I want to say it very like respectfully and I can't do that right now. So I'm just going to like <laughs> hang out. Um, and I think that difference, just being able to s create space between like, okay, I'm feeling the discomfort, like, ego me, version of me that's very attached to my culture and what I know to expect wants to leave and then just giving yourself space and time. Okay, can I get comfortable here though? And just keep asking yourself that, asking yourself that. And if it ever reaches a place of like, no, I don't feel safe. No, my body's really overheating. Or like, no, I'm really gonna like pee my pants. Like then, you know. <laughs> Um, but what I found on my end, what happened is that I just got deeper and deeper into the practice because I just allowed myself, I think it's an act of surrender when we experience a culture. I don't want to say clash because I don't think this is an instance of a culture clash, but 
of cultural integration or discomfort. Yeah. Wow. So it's again, coming back to that edge of like recognizing yeah. comfort in it, but then like leaning into um, just acknowledging that that's where you are or seeing if there's something for you to gain there. And also what I did is in that moment, I was like, okay, what part of me deep inside is so uncomfortable from this? Is it my lack of control? Is it my anxiety? Is it me? Um, I don't know. Like there was, and I went through a lot. It was a very intense experience. Lots came up and my <laughs> life very much changed afterwards. But um, instead of pushing it on the practice of like, this makes me uncomfortable. I need to leave. I don't go that far into this practice it's really looking inwards and asking yourself like, okay, what part of me is so triggered by this? And like going inward rather than projecting and blaming outward, which honestly, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think in DC it was ever as bad, but teaching yoga in New York and the people that would come to the desk and be like, I'm Matt and tell. And, like, <laughs> and then like no. leave first, leave halfway through class. I'm just like, that is you. Um, wow. I can't believe you experienced that. I mean, oh my God, every day. <laughs> every day. Oh. <laughs> but like that. And we had conversations as like an instructor team of like, okay, how do we deal with this? Like, how can we start the practice of yoga the second they walk in the store? And how can we be a teacher the second they interact with us? So like, I, I admire, I always so struggled with this, but I admire the teachers that would say like, you know, yoga is, yoga is discipline. And like, if we were out of towels, yoga is surrender. Like, and just <laughs> really initiating those conversations. Um, because we saw so often that people would bring their volatility they had to their day. And <laughs> Lulu, who taught with me, is like really understanding what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so many people who brought that volatility from their day and just slammed it up against a culture instead of using this culture as a mirror to uh, reflect their own discomfort inwardly. Um, and how we teach that in the wellness space, I think that's really similar to the questions you ask of like, how do we teach this in the corporate space? It's so big and so broad, but yeah. yeah. I think it all comes back to the, you know, the, the, the core of the work we do is the consciousness and like self-awareness and being brave enough to ask yourself, where is this coming from? And why is this making me uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. um, what action stems, like what action can I take from building that internal consciousness? And so True. super amazing. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I absolutely love that. Um, so a, a lot of the things I'm hearing as well have to do with, um, with identity. So like, for example, this experience you had with the Mayan, is that stuff, um, as you're learning all these things and integrating them themselves, are you able to also like support your clients in that? And how do you do that? <laughs> I know that yeah. several programs. And so I just love to hear a little bit more about how you do that with other people, because it's hard for people to do that. It's uncomfortable as you, as you said. And so um, it seems like your way of coaching is in a very loving way. And so I'm just really curious to, to learn more about how you allow or support people in that process. Yeah. I think in terms of like my experience that I then transfer to my clients, there's always a period of integration first that I have to honor. And I haven't really talked to any of my clients. I haven't passed on any big learnings from the time I was called because I'm still integrating it. It was such a profound experience. Um, maybe some lessons that like, you know, like aha epiphanies I got during or after I've worked with my clients on, but 
Um, I guess I'll kind of give you like a breakdown on the framework I use with my clients and then if you can fill in with questions, anything else. Um, but when I'm working one-to-one with people, we really start by differentiating like, okay, how is it that you're feeling now? Maybe that's guilt, stuck, overwhelmed, all of these things. How do you want to feel typically that's expanded, joyful, inspired, um, empowered. And so most of the time people come to me and they don't know what it looks like at all to get from state A to state B. Um, Some people do. Some people know, okay, I want to leave my job and start my own business, or I want to um, start a wellness page because I really feel like I have a voice in this, but I don't know. Um, So, but most of the time people don't even know. So then what we do, we have three coaching sessions and an energy healing. I think it's four times over. So like one, three, an energy healing, three, an energy healing, et cetera. Um, And in the coaching conversations, I really have the client lead. What's, What's coming up for them this week? What are their goals? What are their visions? And I just listen for the limits. I listen for, I mean, an example, I was talking with a, um, kind of like business peer the other day. And she was saying, Oh, I'm new at this service and no one's booked it yet. And there are like four people that I know would like it. And they just haven't booked yet because um, I'm new at this and they're waiting till I get more experience. And that, that's where I come in. I'm like, okay, wait, let me come oh. in here. Have they told you that you don't have enough experience for them to work with you? Or is that a story that you're layering into it? And she was like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize, like, how deep into that story I was. None of them have said that to me at all. Um, and so then we really diffuse that. of, Okay, where is that storyline coming from within? Is it a past experience you had where um, you felt you lacked experience and your clients or people you were working with didn't trust you? Um, is it a baseline assumption you've had since you were an inner since you were a kid is it inner child work we need to do and we really just like ask questions to the shadow and like I said earlier the more that you have compassion and inquiry the more understanding builds of your shadow Mm -hmm. when you understand it you feel able to empower it and you can integrate it um does that make sense? Yes, it does. No, that's okay. It sounds like you have a really complete way of like looking at and supporting your clients. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, super nice. So we're kind of coming up to the hour. So I just wanted to kind of recap a little bit of what I've heard and what we spoke about today. Yeah. And then just like maybe a few rapid fire questions. So Love it. we talked about your identity as like, I, I don't know if you call it Indian American. Um, we talked about how to bridge the gap of, um, potentially like listening to your heart or doing you know what you love through creativity and how Mm -hmm. the process of consciousness really comes from a space of like allowing your creativity to come through um if that's what I understood please yeah I love (laughs) the way you explain that um we also talked a lot uh about wellness culture and how um acknowledging the roots (laughs) and um really allows and supports you to be more present with uh, the practices and or even combining them um, and yeah, and then you're also shared a little bit more about how you do that with your clients. And so I wanted to know, these are some rapid fire questions. So based on okay. this, what we've already discussed, how do you, like, how do you define culture, right? Like what, what is culture to Rena? Right. <laughs> I would say a system of values 
that unites and holds space for community to play out. Wow, that's super powerful. Hold space for community to play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And I think I also, okay, I know these are rapid fire, but I'm like no, a big talker. No, I'm just sitting with that because like, if you could just repeat that one more time, it's like very powerful. I don't know <laughs> if I can repeat it again. I think, I think you, from what I heard, you said culture is a set of values or, or beliefs that mm-hmm. hold space for community to play out. I was like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in that way too, culture is then a container. So sometimes we bump up against a container. It's like, Ooh, I want to be a CEO, but I'm a woman in corporate white male America. Bump, you know? (laughs) So I wanted to like add that caveat. Wow. Okay. And these don't have to be rapid fire questions. You have something more, like something. They're just real. It's really interesting. Your, your responses are so powerful. Um, What do you think is interesting about culture in general? The subtleties that differentiate cultures so like obviously so clearly right wow okay when you say that for me it's specificity Mm. you know when we say culture we're like lumping everything into one but in fact it's about specificity it's about like you know your line of you are Indian American but your experience of as an Indian American might be completely different than someone else who had you know, an Indian American experience and the specificity Very different. of the different culture. So yeah, cool. Um, let's see. Um, what do you find wrong about the way that we view or currently do culture? It could Ooh. be like a short, short one. I think you spoke a little bit into this when we spoke about wellness culture, but if you had yeah. a thing about like, this could be changed. What's wrong about the way we use it? Um, I think we attach a lot of our identity to it Mm -hmm. and that is where we struggle to really celebrate other cultures in a more, in a way with more depth. Got it. Okay. Um, What is three things you most appreciate about your own culture? Oh my God. Um, (laughs) I love you. I, um, I love Indian humor. I just think it's like the funniest thing and I that's something that I really appreciate that I didn't really realize until recently. Um, I'll do one as, okay, that's Indian. I'll do one as like American. As American, I love how motivated and like vision oriented everyone is. Um, and then this third one I'll do as someone who works in wellness and that is my culture. Um, Oh, I love just like the sweetness, the compassion, the empathy that everyone brings. Oh, I think you, that's what you bring. <laughs> <laughs> I think that just gets reflected back at you mm, what you put out. So thank you. Um, did you have any questions for me? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my know. gosh. Um, I mean, I just so admire the work you do and I kind of want to hear like, what, what are, what are you doing now? Like, what are you focusing on? whether that's like project wise or even just like topic wise. Oh, okay. Um, So project wise, I would say that I am still continuing to focus on these culture and cafecitos. Um, One of the things that has really helped me, um, let's just say that one of the things I'm focusing on is listening more, right? Because Mm. I don't have all the answers. And as I mentioned to you, as uh, as a champion of culture, it's about giving voice (laughs) to other people, other women, 
um, people of color who really need to share their voice, right? Um, so I've found that this project has really enabled me to tap into, you know, things I never thought about before. Um, and continuing to do that, uh, hopefully will kind of allow me to even like gain more wisdom. So I'm really mm. about that. Um, it's also interesting because um, this project is also kind of helping me see myself through a different lens. So I never thought that I would have like, you know, the space to be able to like, let's have conversation. But in fact, um, I'm finding a superpower in being able to um, curate, but also just like create some space for us to converse about things that really matter to, to both of us or to, to people in the community. Um, so that's been super empowering. Um, let's see. Mm, yeah, I, I would say that those are the two main things. Um, it allows me to see myself in a different light just because whenever I speak to you, like your, your Indian American experience is so different than mine as a Colombian. Mm -hmm. um, and even how I've decided to take on my own identity. And so it allows me to do deeper reflection, um, even as a coach myself, as to how we can even see ourselves differently and how I can start to see myself differently so that I can pass that on to others. So, oh, yeah. Wow. So profound. Thank you for doing this work. <laughs> no, thank you. And I've heard that these, um, these chats somehow are very cathartic for people. I don't know why. I was just going to say, I was like, this is the best conversation I've had in literally <laughs> so long. And I've had a lot of good conversations recently. So like that, this is like, this is, oh, this was that. so much fun. <laughs> I'm glad you did it. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't want to like specify exactly what we needed to talk about. I just wanted to like let it flow and see what came out of it. And it flowed, mama. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I didn't mention this in the beginning, but the, the reason that the culture and cafecitos were born is because um, in Colombia, you know, we love coffee. <laughs> and, um, and one of the best ways I connect is when we're talking over a cup of coffee, um, because that's, you know, I would sit down with my grandpa and literally talk for hours. Um, so culturally speaking, this is like when you sit mm. me with a piece, like some coffee and just like talk about things that matter to your soul, like my life is complete. <laughs> I love it. So that's one of the ways that I'm consciously connecting to my own culture and the ways that I like to connect best. Um, and I hope that, you know, in doing that, I'm also able to learn from you and we can learn from each other. Yeah. Thanks for passing this culture on. I so understand the magic of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. <laughs> culture and cafecito so um yeah thank you so much for joining me is there anything you want to share with like my, my audience around like what you're doing or if there's anything coming up for you that you want to yeah know? absolutely um I would say absolutely come follow me send me a dm if you listen to this and you don't follow me already um I always have spots open for one-off readings of tarot birth chart readings um and reiki Everything I do, I kind of layer in with this lens of a coach. So you'll always work with me in a coach capacity, no matter what service you choose. Um, and if you want to really like spend some time diffusing something out, if anything I spoke to about um, being a creator within or a healer within spoke to you, um, definitely talk to me about my one-to-one -one program because we have a lot of fun um, opening up space for that within you. Yeah. Sounds great. Thank you. I hope you have a great um, day and have an awesome trip. Please be safe and talk yes. to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> talk Bye. to you soon. Bye. Well, thank you so much for joining me once again for the Culture and Cafecito podcast. I hope that you enjoy your coffee and hope that these conversations inspire you to keep connecting authentically. Have a great one and hope to see you soon.